Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? amen. Alright, so I, I want to talk about something this morning called understanding ministry partnership. And I want you to follow me very carefully. Understanding ministry partnership. And um, I want to show you from both the Old Testament and the New Testament what it means to be a partner, a financial partner with a ministry and why it's important to partner financially where that is concerned. First of all, I'd look at the English definition of the word partnership. Partnership. Alright, so the English dictionary says, a partnership is a formal agreement by two or more parties to manage and operate a business and share its profits. Okay, so partnership is a formal arrangement by two or more parties to manage and operate a business and share its profits. So that's what you would uh, consider partnership in English. Um, in, In the Greek, it's a little bit different. And it's important for us to understand, and I've said it always in this church, that the Bible was translated from the Greek to English language. And uh, in the course of translation, there are certain words that are used that's important to understand the Greek meaning. It will give you an understanding of the English meaning. Okay? Because uh, the English language, as it is, sometimes it's, uh, it's limited in, in its explanation of the Greek. And some, sometimes also you have the Greek words that are continuous, the present continuous, but you don't have present continuous terms of those words in the English language. So once in a while it's important to study the Greek so you can understand uh, how it was interpreted. So let's, let's first of all look at the Old Testament and then we're going to come back here to First Samuel chapter 30. We're going to do some long reading this morning, so ensure you have your Bible. And come with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to read the first 25 verses. Uh, a story that made David, and I want to read the story because I want you to understand why David made that uh, instruction. 1 Samuel chapter 30, 3-0 and verse 1. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziglag and had overthrown Ziglag and burnt it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it. Remember what we were talking about during the Sunday dialogue leading procession, open triumph. So this is what usually happens. When you go into war, you took captives, men, women, children, called the captives of war, both small and great, without killing anyone and carried them off and went their way. So if this king was to go back to his city, he would have to take all these people and lead them in an open triumph to show that they had conquered that city. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burnt with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voice and wept until there was no more strength in them to weep. Now David's two wives had taken had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. See, that's right. Leadership is not easy. I mean, you know, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his son and his daughter. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathir, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the effort. So Abathir brought the effort to David. So the effort was the way in which in the Old Testament they could seek the face of God because they did not have the Spirit of God. No New Testament believer should be looking for effort today. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, Pursue, for you will surely overtake, and you will surely rescue all. So David went. He, pay attention now, and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bessor, 
where those left behind remain. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bessel remained behind. So pay attention. Follow the story. Very important. There were 600 men with David. Uh, 400 men got to this place called Bessel and 200 were too exhausted to cross. So what it means is 400 went with David and 200 remained behind. Are we clear on that? Say amen. Alright. Now they find an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he ate and they provided him water to drink. They gave him a piece of fig cake and two clusters of raisins and he ate. Then his spirit revived. <laughs> when you had seen this man weak in spirit, you would think it was a demonic attack. The guy was hungry. All right. For he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on the Negev of the Sherod and on that which belongs to Judah and on the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. Then David said to him, Will you bring me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I'll bring you down to this band. When he had brought them down, behold, they were spread over all the land, eating and drinking, dancing because of all the great spoil. Right? That they are taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. So they were excited. David slaughtered them from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them except, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. But nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had taken they had taken for themselves. David brought it all back. So David had captured all the sheep and the cattle with which the people drove ahead of all the livestock and they said, this is David's spoil. So you always pay attention to that word spoil. You know, as we were talking about in the Sunday class, you know, he spoiled principalities and powers. It's just the word to talk about defeat. Alright? The spoils of war. This is where the story gets interesting. Verse 21. When David came to the 200 men who were too exhausted to follow David, who, were also, who had also been left at the brook Bessel, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. Then David approached the people and greeted them. So they were returning, and then I met these 200 guys. Remember, they left them because they were exhausted. Uh, then all the wicked and worthless among those who, were, who went with David, the wicked and the worthless, David had all kinds in his band, said, because... They did not go with us. We will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered. <laughs> you know, there are people who always have those kind of suggestions. Except to every man, his wife and his children. And they may lead them away and depart. So, these guys came. You see, you see, it said, you know what? We were the ones that fought. And because they didn't go with us, we're not going to give them anything. We'll just return their wife to them and their children. And they will go on their own. And there was someone that said, that's true. Then David said, you must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. So you can't, it's the Lord that gave us the victory. You can't do so. He says, who has kept us and delivered into our hand the band that came against us. Verse 24. He says, and who will listen to you in this matter? Verse 24, pay attention there. He says, for... As his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. So it has been from that day forward, and he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. So it, it, that's the first place David in the Old Testament, established the principle of partnership. And what the principle of partnership simply means was that if you went to the battle, or you held the, the supplies, the reward will be shared alike. The Good News Translation says, no one can agree with what you say. All must share alike. Whoever stays behind with the supplies get the same share as the one who goes into battle. It's partnership. You get the same reward. And this is going to make meaning to you later as we progress in the message 
But I want us to look at the New Testament because we're going to study Paul. Let's look at the call of Paul. So just hold this somewhere in your mind. Come with me to Acts chapter 26 and verse 14 to 19. Acts chapter 26 and verse 14 to 19. Paul had been taken uh, before Agrippa to make his defense. And Paul began to talk about his call from verse 14. Talking about when God met him on the road to Damascus. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You know, it's important to understand that the Bible says, the Lord says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Jesus does not separate himself from the church. Jesus did not say, uh, you are persecuting my disciples. That is why I'm attacking you. No, he says, I am the one you are persecuting. Jesus does not separate himself from the church. What you do to the church, you do to Jesus. What you do for the church, you do for Jesus. What you do against the church, you do against Jesus. Jesus identifies with the believer. He does not separate himself from the believer. That's why in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, He who sanctify and those who are being sanctified are of one that he is not ashamed to call them brethren. We must learn to identify ourselves with Jesus. Not the altar in your father's house. Jesus identifies himself with the church. He says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. He didn't say, why are you persecuting my disciples? No, he says, I'm Jesus. You, if you touch my body, you're touching me. And we must see ourselves that way. Don't, you know, and that's why sometimes I, it's very funny when people pray and say, you know, I was praying, I was praying, and then my prayer did not ascend to heaven or did not, you know, go to, um, I don't know, whatever they teach. But it's, it's interesting because we have, a, I, I don't know, we just have this funny concept, you know, God is on the throne with this wheelchair, uh, not wheelchair, <laughs> king chair, sorry, <laughs> king chair, you know, Jesus is at the right hand, Satan is at the left. You know, when you are praying, you are here, you are looking up, you now pray as you pray. Satan will say, yesterday, yesterday when you told him to pray, did not pray. And you know, we just have that. And that's why, I, I mean, be careful, because I've realized also, and it's very important, for some people who act drama and act movies, they need to be taught the word of God. Because they've acted stuff that are not consistent with the scriptures. And that's why I, 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 I'm... I'm very weary. Sometimes we say, this is a Christian movie. And I'm like, you, you're just making money. You're not acting what's in the Word. I know people who preach from the Bible, preach about the Ten Commandments because they watch Moses' film. They didn't read the Scripture. Because they say things that happen in that film that's not in the Bible. And say, the Bible said, and they're, they're describing the film. So you have to ensure that things line up with the Word. Is that important? Alright. Verse 16. Let's go on now. He says, but get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose, I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. This was his commission. Rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Verse 18, very important. I taught this on today's what? Today's Sunday. I taught this on Friday and Saturday at, at, in Delta State to some pastors where we had a pastor's meeting on Friday. It says to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. How did God instruct us to turn people from the dominion of Satan to God? By opening their eyes. Not describing the dominion of Satan. How do we turn people from darkness to light? We open their eyes. How do we open their eyes? Luke 24, 44. You explain scriptures to them. It is by revelation that the child of God moves from the, uh, the oppression of Satan and walks in his rights and privileges in God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Eyes open. Opened eyes. That's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, 16, 17, 18. Prayed for opened eyes. Alright. That they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19. So King Agrippa... I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. So Paul calls this a heavenly vision. 
So note that. Paul calls this a heavenly vision. Okay. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. So I said that to say this. No prince of Persia can stop your prayers. Okay? You are not Daniel. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Leave prince of Persia alone. Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 1. Ephesians 3, 1. Look at what Paul says. We're looking at the fact that God called Paul in a very dramatic vision. And he calls it the heavenly vision. Ephesians 3 verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Pay attention. Paul was called the prisoner of Jesus for the sake of, of the Gentiles. That means, when he says for the sake of the Gentiles, remember what we just read in Acts, right? That vision, God was sending him to the Gentiles, to preach to the Gentiles. So he says that I am the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. So you realize that the call on the life of Paul was to reach the Gentiles. That's the heavenly vision he was describing when he met King Agrippa. So he says, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship, or the, the word stewardship is the Greek word, okonomai, it means the economy of the household or the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. So ministry is never given to the man of God to profit himself. Ministry is given for the profit of the saints. You are always called for people. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about no high priest, praise God, um, um, takes his honor unto himself, but is taken from among men for men in things pertaining to God. So he's taken from men and given for men. Taken from among men and given for men. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. He gave some apostles for the equipping. So ministry is not something that's to make you famous, to make you popular. You can be. You can be any of those things. But ministry was not given for your own personal selfish ambition. You're always called from among people and given for people. Are we together on that? All right. So if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. Three, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. Okay? It's talking about the mystery of godliness, right? By referring to this, verse 4, when you read you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So Paul is saying, when you read the letters I write to you, when you read the things I've written to you, you would understand my mystery in Christ. Okay? Just examining the call of Paul. Come with me to Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11 to 16. We're going to read a lot of Bible verses and that's why it's called church. Because we read the Bible. Or what do you think? I didn't hear you. I said, oh, what do you think? You know, sometimes you can just see the frustration on people's faces when the verses are too long. I know the kind of message you like. It says, and Jesus said, let us go to, over to the other side. Then the pastor closes the Bible looks at you and says, you will go over to the other side. I don't... Who is saying amen? <laughs> I don't care what you are going through. In January, you will go over to the other side. February, you will go over to the other side. And then, he uses 12 minutes to mention 12 months of the year. That's a tired preacher. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 to 16. You know, I, 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 met, I met a young man uh, in one of our pastor's meetings. And he says that what the Lord had given to him as a commission is prophetic declaration. So I said, what does that mean? He said, he just stands before the people and declares. I said, declare what? <laughs> he said, just declare blessings on them. I said, oh, wow. You know, you really don't need to study. You really don't need to. Because you can just declare blessings. You can just wake up from sleep. Now they just wake you up from sleep. Wear your suits and just say, I see two doors open before you. You will go far. You will not go near. The doors will open. I mean, you, you don't need to study. 
You, you, you don't need to read the Bible. You just say things, whatever comes to your heart. Somebody says, is there anything wrong with that? I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. But we can see the commission that God gave to Paul. Open the eyes of the people so that you can turn them from darkness to light so that they will receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them that are sanctified. There is an inheritance for the believer that can only be accessed by light. Paul says, I commend to you Commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. It's as you are built up that you're able to walk in your inheritance in Christ. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Okay, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 to 16. We're looking at Paul's call to the ministry again. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received the true revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Now, the reason, why am I investigating Paul's call? Because you realize that if Paul was called in this dramatic manner, he would not require partners to fulfill the ministry. But he did. He did require partners. And we'll talk about that. And so you must understand that no matter the vision that God gives to a man, there is room for people to partner with that man to get the vision done. Look at it. says, what I'm teaching you was not gotten by man. It was revealed to me by the Lord Jesus. Verse 14. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Verse 15. But when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now, pay attention here. Preach him among the Gentiles is the same thing he wrote to those in, Eph in Ephesus when he says the dispensation of grace given to me for you, the Gentiles. It's the same thing. He's writing to the Galatians now. So we know that Paul was called to preach to the Gentiles. Now it's important. Um, you must also understand that every minister, well, you, you must also understand that a called minister of the gospel, uh, the Lord gives them, well, every purpose of ministry is to mature the saints, but you must also understand sometimes some ministers are called to particular geographical locations, a particular set of people. Right? Um, and, and, and so they might have more, ease, more ministry access there. I remember while I was in school, uh, um, Apostle uh, Aslam Madboku in Lagos used to have very great access to Russia. He used to go preach in Russia a lot. God just gave him that access okay, to that nation. So certain times the Lord can open the grace to go to particular nations to work for him. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and it's, it's interesting that I have more invitations to preach outside of the nation than in Nigeria. I can count how many times I've preached within Nigeria. Um, but if I were to follow all the invitations I have outside of the nation, I couldn't probably meet all of them. It's just the grace of God. So sometimes you can find that God can give you a grace for a particular region, can give you a grace for the nations, and it's the same thing Paul was saying, that I was called to reach the Gentiles. And it's also important to understand that your obedience to God is measured in what God is asking you to do. Praise God. Alright, verse 16, to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Okay, so we see that Paul had this dramatic call to ministry. And you would think that if a man had this dramatic call to ministry, I mean, everything is going to be supplied. He wouldn't need partners. Then let's go to Philippians chapter 1. In fact, Philippians is a later to Paul's partners. So follow me now. Come with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to 7. And then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. But we'll examine some things in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. Are we okay? Is everybody following me? Say amen if you are. Alright, so Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, 
Paul and Timothy, born servants of Christ Jesus. And I've explained this word, born servants of Christ, to you. The word servant there is the Greek word doulos. It means slave. Actually, actually, the word servant, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a good rendering of it. It's a mild rendering of it. Actually, in the Greek, the word used there should be slave. Doulos, D-O-U-L, D-O-U-L-O-S. Uh, now, there was a difference between slave and bond slave. And I've explained the concept of the bond slave to you before. The slave, uh, at every jubilee year, except, uh, the year of jubilee 50 years, every slave could go free. But if you, if, if you were a bond slave, or if you wanted to become a bond slave, you would tell your master, I don't want to go free. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Well, so a bond slave is the person who has used this freedom to choose slavery. That the opportunity to go, we say, if, if your servant loves you a lot and you know, wants to serve you, he becomes a bond slave. So you took his ears close to the door and you pierced his ear to the door so he has a mark on the ears. And so that mark signifies that this is a bond slave. That slave cannot be free any longer. He has used his freedom, the choice he had to become free, to choose to be a slave. So when Paul says Paul and Timothy, born servants of Christ Jesus, he was using the concept of the born slave, of the dwellers, meaning that they have chosen by their free will to serve the Lord. Alright? That's the concept of the born servant. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, Pay attention that he identifies them in Christ first before their physical location. Says to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. Talking about their leaders. Okay. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So every time I remember God, I remember you, I thank God. That's a good thing. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view, in view, so pay attention here. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Pay attention. Leave, leave, it, leave it there. In view of your participation. Paul says, when I remember you, I pray with joy. And the reason I'm praying with joy is because of your participation in the Gospel, participation in the gospel from the first day until now. The word participation is the Greek word kononier. Kononier means fellowship. 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 Now, the word fellowship, it's from the old English word fellow, theolage, F-E-O-L-A-G-E, which means the word fellow, English word fellow, it's from the old English word theolage, F-E-O-L-A-G-E, which means a partner in business. That's the word that old English word means. A partner in business. An associate, a companion, or a comrade. So when it says, in view of your participation, some translation uses the word, in view of your fellowship in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel there would mean a partner in business. Or in view of your comradeship in the gospel. The word kononier, there, is also the word fellowship, participation, close association between persons, emphasizing what is common but between them. What is common, pay attention, follow me, what is common between Paul and these people would be what? It's open book test. You can't fail it. I know. What is common between them? It says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. What is common between Paul and these people? The gospel. The gospel. The gospel. That's important. The gospel. Okay. Now, so the word um, partnership there or participation there is kononia in the Greek. It means fellowship, close association between persons, emphasizing what is common. By extension, participation, sharing, contribution. Okay? This word occurs 21 times in the, in the New Testament. Now, when you read in view of your participation in the gospel, or kononia, or fellowship in the gospel, 
what would come to your mind would be probably Paul was preaching and the people were saying, Amen, preach, go Papa, preach. That wasn't the participation. They contributed when they heard the gospel. Let's read the NLT translation, the New Living Translation. <clears throat> New Living Translation, NLT. It says, For you have been... What, what did they say? Come on, somebody. For you have been what? My partners. In spreading what? The good news about Christ Jesus from the time you first heard it until now. So, he, this, this was a letter to his partners. He says, from the first time you heard the gospel, you've been my partners. Alright, let's amplify it a little bit. Amplified version. Amplified version. Thanking God for your participation or I thank God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and what? Contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel. From the first day you heard it until now. So, these guys, when they heard the gospel, their heart was, you know what, we're going to partner with Paul to, to make the people hear the gospel. If we know that the gospel is a solution to the problems of the world, we would get into partnership with the gospel. When you hear a message that blesses you, you want to get into partnership to get that message to everyone. Now, let's read. There were two forms of partnership. In, in the book of Philippians, let's read verse 6. So we've established that partnership means, part, um, sorry, participation means what? Partnership means contribution to the gospel. Alright? Okay. Verse 6. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7. For it is only right for me to feel this way. Please go back to the New American Standard Bible. To feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in defense and in confirmation of the gospel, pay attention, pay attention, Paul personalizes this. He says, you all are partakers of grace with me. What grace is Paul talking about here now? He's talking about the grace that God is giving to him for the preaching of the gospel. He's talking about the personal grace that God is giving to him. Not just the gospel of grace, but the grace God had given to him for the Gentiles. That these guys, the Philippian church, were now partakers of that grace with him. So when we get into partnership, what we're actually doing is coming into a working relationship of the grace of God upon the life of that local church, upon the life of that ministry. Or that man of God. Okay. Now, the word partakers, the word partakers, verse 7, your partakers, praise God, of grace with me, or partakers of grace with me, the word partakers, uh, let me spare you the Greek pronunciation. It means sharer, the ones that share, a companion. It occurs four times in the New Testament. You're sharing with me of grace. You're sharing with me of grace. Now, um, if you read the whole verse down, let's, let's read. I mean, we're not in a hurry to go anywhere. Let's just read. Verse 8, For God is my witness, I long for you all with this affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruits of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the great progress of the gospel. So this was Paul, pay attention here, writing to his partners and sharing with his partners the impact of the things that have been going on. He says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian God and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So Paul says, hey, I'm in prison, and because I'm in prison, people are now preaching the word of God without fear. Okay? Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but also from goodwill. The latter to do it out of love, 
knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in this I rejoice. So Paul says some people are preaching, you know, to make it look very painful for me. He says, but however way I rejoice. So he was writing to his partners. He was communicating to his partners his state. Verse 19. He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus. So Paul counts on his partners to pray for him and his confidence that if his partners pray for him, there is going to be a supply of the Spirit and that situation is going to turn out for his deliverance. So the first thing when we get into partnership is we are praying for our pastor. We are praying for the man of God. We are praying for people involved in the ministry we're given to. Just as you realize that when we started reading from Philippians chapter 1, Paul was praying for his partners. He prayed for his partners in verse what? Verse 9 to verse 11. Paul prayed for his partners first, verse 9 to 11. And then in verse 19, he says, verse 9 says, and this I pray. So he prays for his partners. And in verse 19, go to verse 19, he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through what? Your prayers. Come on, can you see that? So Paul is praying for them and they are praying for Paul. And what's the reason both of them are praying for each other? What's the common reason? The gospel. To see themselves as partners. Okay. So, go to chapter 4. If this was a public holiday, I would have read all up until chapter 4. You know, sometimes people say, yeah, but you read too much Bible in church. What should we read in church? A novel? Or Times Magazine? Okay, so in chapter 4, Paul is concluding this letter to the Philippians. Right? He's concluding. So, in chapter 4, verse 10, he's speaking again. So, we know that there was supply of prayers for him. You know, many times when we travel, sometimes we say, let's pray. You, you've got to understand that we're... I, when I teach ministers, I say it all the time. I think there is, a, there is an extravagance to ministry that we've brought out that people actually think that ministry is enjoyment. Right? So, for instance, you have a minister who goes to a particular country to teach the word. Then he's putting the hotel, he's sleeping in, he's putting the food, he's putting, you know, very nice things where he's gone. And, um, and you know, you just feel like, wow. Man of God has made it. Right? Do you actually realize that it's God's protection every time you fly? You go through all kinds of weathers. You eat all kinds of food. You know, praise God. <laughs> I remember when I was in, uh, it was in Kenya, when I spent that long time in Kenya, I was, uh, I was at uh, Eldoret. Eldoret is, it's called the home of champions in Kenya. That's where all the Marathon runners train. It's, it's high altitude, extremely cold. Alright? So, I, I came in from Nairobi, flew into Eldoret, had a two days meeting in Eldoret, cold weather. I mean, so cold, like, it's cold. Right? Like, I'm literally having hot water. That's what they give to me. I literally have tea in front. It's, it's cold. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm preaching the next day in Mombasa, and I fly to Mombasa the next day. Mombasa is hot hotter than anywhere in Kenya. And in one day, I switch from extreme cold to extreme heat. And I'm preaching there for three days and then I go to Tanzania, a country I've never been to, and that one is in between hot and cold. You think your body goes through all that changes? And that's why prayer is needed. You know, sometimes you can be so tired. Praise the name of the Lord. You're switching foods. Amen? Because one of the things I had to learn when God started calling me into the nations is to eat the food of every country I go to. So I eat the food of every country I go to. I remember the last time I was, I don't know which country I was, but somewhere in the world. And I snapped the food and said to Pastor, Pastor, what's that? I said, that's that, which was spoken by the prophet. So I, I mean, I go to Kenya, I eat Kenyan food. I go to Tanzania, I eat Tanzanian food. I go to Ghana, I eat Ghanaian food. 
and you're doing all this switch in one week. No, some of you cannot survive. You need prayer, you need flagging. <laughs> or you just say, I will eat rice. Are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> I was preaching in Dodo, in Dodo, in Tanzania, and he brought this watermelon for me, and I saw the guy putting something inside the watermelon. So I said, What is this? He said, It's sugar. I said, How do you put sugar in? <laughs> Interesting. I, I, I can't remember where I went one time. Um, they served me watermelon. <laughs> Interesting. Man, you know, they served me watermelon. You know, and, and the lady was so diligent preparing the watermelon, so diligent. Then when I came in, I saw all the seeds of the watermelon on top. So I, I said, uh, why is it like this? He said, oh, this is how they eat it here. Don't you like it? I said, why will I not like it? <laughs> I like it. I started eating watermelon and seed, I eating watermelon and seed, I eating watermelon and seed, because I'm going to preach the next day. And you don't want to reject their food. That's why you need prayers. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so that's that. Go to verse, verse 10 very quickly. Oh my God, time is gone. Verse 10. Go to verse 10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern. Philippians 4.10 we are in. For me, that means, the word revived means it, de- it was dead at some time. You know, and sometimes it can happen to us, right? Where we are constantly about partnering with the ministry and that concern can just die off. For some time, we just forget that we have to partner. Then he says, But you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. And I've told you that's why this scripture means I can do all things through Christ. It's not a scripture of ability. It's a scripture of contentment. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In, in and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering. And I've explained this to you sometimes in this church. Uh, You know, sometimes I go and preach in certain nations and I'm put in very good hotels. Amazing hotels. Well looked after. And maybe I'm leaving that place in that same country to go preach in another church. And then they put you in this hotel where, you know, you ask them for hot water, they'll point the tap to you. I mean, you almost feel like not preaching. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I hardly take, I hardly take medicine. Nothing wrong against that, but I hardly take medicine. But, but the last trip I was to go on, I was praying, praying about the trip, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly, which was strange. The strangest instruction I've had from the Holy Spirit. He says, take malaria medicine full dose. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, the last trip I went. I, I mean, was no sickness, symptom, nothing. It was strange. Uh, and I think that's the first time I had ever had to complete, you know, a dosage of me. So I took it by faith. And I got to this country. Don't want to mention names because I have people <laughs> listening all over. I got to this country. They put me in this hotel. It was the first hotel I've seen that they're putting you and the person is handing a shelter to you. As part of your welcome package, because there were abundance of mosquitoes. And I mean, it, was, it wasn't like it was deliberate. It's their culture, part of their culture. And then they had nets in the, on the bed. And I don't sleep with nets. I feel like somebody's suffocating me. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure when I was a baby, I slept with nets. Not sure. But I don't like nets. So I knew why. The Holy Ghost got me ready. I'm just telling you that going to the nations is not the private jet you see. That is for a selected few. Okay. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Verse, 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 Verse what now? Verse 12. Okay. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's what that scripture is. You can preach in places. You can. Are you following what I'm saying? You can do all things. 
Verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in all my afflictions. 15. You yourself also know, Philippians, that at first preaching of the gospel, after I have left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. No church supported Paul. Despite the labors that Paul put in. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. He says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. When you get into partnership, he says, this comes to you. It comes to your account. He says, but I've received everything in full and have abundance. I'm amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So he says, whatever you gave to me through Epaphroditus, it was given to God. Then he says, now. What's the next one? The one we like to quote, verse 19. And did you, did you observe he didn't say, and God. You know, this scripture is not to be quoted by every Christian. This scripture is a prayer of a pastor over his partners. It's not a promise of God for you. I just showed you. I just showed you. Personalized. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. These were words spoken over people who sent supplies to Paul. That's, that's the thing. So he's saying, the God who called me, Philippians 1, 7, remember already, that grace that you have partook of by partnership, that God will supply your needs. He says, my God will supply your needs because of what you sent to me. Let me go quickly. My time is going. Let's run. Let me show you something here about partnership. Go to Acts chapter 18, verse, quickly, verse 1. And I've had to deal with this Online, I've had to deal with it online because I find a lot of people now who say, well, yeah, you know, pastors should go and work. It's because they are lazy. But Paul worked. And I'm like, Paul worked only because he wasn't supported. And he didn't want to become uh, a stumbling block to the gospel. But that's not what Paul thought. Paul thought that those, that the Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel should live by the gospel. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Follow this interesting story. Verse 1 to 5. This, where, this is where people teach most times that Paul made tents. But look at this. I'll show you something today. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, he came to them. And because he was of the same trade, so we know Paul made tents. He stayed with them and they were walking for by trade. They were tent makers. So Paul was making tents. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. So pay attention, I'm going to go fast. Paul was making tents and then he was on the weekends, alright, the Sabbath teaching in the synagogue. So he was bivocational. Go to verse 5. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia... Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Pay attention, follow me quickly. NIV, give me the NIV version. NIV version. NIV version says, it says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. What will the word exclusive mean? Full time. He was devoting himself exclusively to the preaching of the gospel. You know the reason why? His partners had brought supplies and there was no need for him to go make tents anymore. He can now give himself to the gospel. Are you following what I'm saying? See, if I, if I wasn't supported, if I wasn't on salaries in the church, I can't do what I'm doing. Because I travel all the time. I mean, I, I traveled on, on what, what's that now? I traveled on Thursday, preached on Friday, preached Saturday morning up until 10. I left Delta State 10, or to, 10 o'clock to catch the 4 o'clock boat to make service this morning. There's no way I can do that if I don't have partners. Praise the name of the Lord. 
says, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. Now supply had come. Timothy and Epaphroditus, Silas, sorry, Silas and Timothy had brought supplies from Macedonia. So Paul stopped tent making so he could give himself to the preaching of the gospel. Sometimes I travel and for three weeks. Last time I was in Kenya, I was in Kenya for 21 days. I preached 19 days, three times every day. I couldn't do that without partnership. That's where partnership comes in. So this is not tithes and offering. Tithes and offering runs the local church. Partnership is what comes in so the gospel can reach to more people. When we are not partners, we are stopping the supplies from coming in so people can commit to the preaching of the gospel. Don't even think sometimes it's convenient for my family. I remember, you know, sometimes I'm traveling and you know, my girl starts, do you have to travel again? She's almost crying. I have to explain to her. I have to explain to her. It's part of our call. It's part of our assignment. I'm responsible to God where this is concerned. It's not just fun preaching the gospel. Or do you think that I wouldn't like to walk somewhere where I don't have to stand every time and say, give? Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Are you here? NLT, New Living Translation. And after Silas and, and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He spent all his time. So partnership gave him time. Let's go quickly. I need to finish this. Yeah, spent all his time. So we saw that Paul made tent because he wasn't supported. If I don't have as much support as I can to be able to preach the gospel, of course I'll have to get something to do. Because I wouldn't want my family to be hungry because I'm preaching the gospel. Now, let's see what John said in 3 John chapter 1 verse 5. We're going to look at the life of Jesus. Give me some extra minutes. 3 John 1 5. Are you here? I said, are you here? Okay, just wondering. 3 John 1. Because money matters, you get silenced. 5. See, but the God who called you with the God not supply, he's showing you how he supplies through people like you who just said that. You are the one God will use. Like we read, all the money we ever require to preach the gospel is on the earth already and is in the hands of believers. First John chapter, five, chapter 1, Third John, Third John 1, 5 to 8. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren and especially when they are strangers. We always like verse 2. I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospereth, and we stop there. But that's not the purpose of your prosperity. The purpose of your prosperity is in verse 5, 6, and 7. So let's read. Verse 6. And they have testified to your love before the church. You do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. So, we're not talking about crumbs. We're talking about manner worthy of God. Go to verse 7. For they went out for the sake of the name, the gospel, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers. Did you see that word? That word fellow workers, fellow workers with the truth... Fellow workers with the truth. The word fellow workers is the Greek word synogesis. It means co-worker. It means that when you partner with those who are preaching the truth, you have now become a co-worker of that person. Remember what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 13? Whatever rewards that person gets, you get. See, whatever reward God gives to me for going to the nations, my partners get. Whatever reward God gives to me for preaching the gospel, my partners get. Why? Because if we support those who preach the gospel, we have become fellow workers with them. Synergizes. We have joined, which is the English word synergy. We've come into partnership. We've come into communication. We've come into support with them. And whether you stay and you never go to the nations on your spiritual account. According to Philippians chapter 4, no church communicated with me in giving and receiving, but I don't just desire this fruit, but I desire that the fruit may abound to your account on your account that is credited to you. Say amen. amen. Alright. Show you from the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 8. 
So over and above your tithe, you've got to have something for partnership. And see, this thing is about desire. I remember 1999, stumbled on the Brother Copeland magazine, read the first magazine. I was a student then. And I started partnering with Brother Copeland with 100 naira a month. And then I went to 150. I went to 200. I went to 250. At the time, they wrote me from the South African office and they said, listen, we see your partnership. We can't change this money here. Don't worry. We know you are a partner. <laughs> yeah. KCM office, South Africa, they know me. They know me. Because it's been 20 something plus years. Never missed a month of partnership. You know why? Because I didn't want to get into ministry because I didn't want to be poor. But when I read the Believer's Voice of Victory magazine and I saw how God can prosper by faith in Him, I said, I want people to hear this word. And I started partnering. We started partnering as a church, as a family. Always had our money in there. I remember one time, just sharing this now. Remember one time, 2015, sitting in a victory campaign, Brother Copeland came in and he talked about trying to get the jets, the Falcon X10 that he's using right now. And he just talked about it. And I was like, oh dear God, we have to give to this. So I sent a message to Pastor Mary. I said, we don't have any money this month. Whatever we have, you've got to manage. He said, what's going on? I said, we're giving, it, we're giving everything. We're giving everything towards that. We give everything. We had that month. Why? Because I want to get into partnership. Not because I want something. But if there is something that will get the man of God convenient to go to the nations, I want to be part of it. And I'll say this. I said it with all humility. I'm well looked after in this church. Thank you for your giving and everything. But God is our source. We can obey God because we act on the word. Because we give the word. First place. I'm not teaching you what I don't practice. This is how we've lived our life. When we find what God wants to do, we get involved. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I said, Hallelujah. Doesn't have to be big. Just get involved. Let's look at the life of Jesus and we close. Luke chapter 8. We reach teenagers every month in this church. Over 70 to 90 teenagers gather here every month being taught. We have people who go to schools every morning to preach. We give them their transport. Every morning, every single day, apart from some Tuesdays that they share with other people, every single weekday at school is in session. There are people from this church who are funded to go to the schools to preach to the children. And we have transport Bringing teenagers into this place every single month. 80 to 90 teenagers teaching them the word of God. We can't just do that with Titan offering. Someone needs to get involved in partnership. Right? We are on radio. Paid for by two people. We are on television. Paid for by one person. I remember the first person who put us on radio came on a weekly Bible study where I stay on the other side, heard me teach, and he said, is this message on radio? He said, no. He said, more people need to hear this. And he committed to giving to radio. What are you doing with all your money? I know some of you have very good things. To, you know, very good things. You know, we support motherless babies' home. We support uh, widows. We support uh, people who don't have eyesight. Beautiful things. Those are charitable donations. What is your giving towards the fraudulence of the gospel? There must be a commitment to the fraudulence of the gospel over and above your tithes. And I'll say this. As a local church, whatever we get in this local church runs the local church. Whatever I travel the nations with come into our World Connect partnership. And of course, the local church commits a part to it every year, but then we have people. In the last, I just want to say this, in the last two years, I've had to be able to travel the nations because one or two persons gave everything we needed to buy the tickets to go to the nations. I remember this particular year, brother reached out to us and says, I want to give towards your traveling. And gave us access to be able to pay for all our tickets all through the year. And you know why we have to do that? Because every time I accept an invitation in this church to go and preach anywhere, I don't ask them for transport. Whether it's in the US, whether in Europe, wherever I say, yes, I'm coming to preach, we pay the bills. 
If they want to do a refund, it's fine. But I made a commitment to God that I will never ask anybody to pay my ticket, buy my ticket to go preach. If I have the liberty of the Lord to go there, then the Lord will have to make a way. And he has to do it through partners. Somebody say, yeah, pastor, it has been in my mind. It's, it's, it's in my mind. I just want things to balance. They will never balance. You have to give by faith. I wasn't balanced when I started partnering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, don't worry. Don't, let them just be giving. Don't worry. Don't worry. Let them just. When we enter, you will be shocked. No, I don't want to be shocked. Enter now. Don't shock me. Glory to God. All right, our time is gone. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Let me show you in the life of Jesus. Let me show you in the life of Jesus. So I bring you balance to this and we'll close. Are you blessed? All right. Soon afterwards, Luke 8, 1. Soon afterwards, he began going around. Jesus, Jesus, going around from one city and village to another. Proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Jesus was traveling with twelve men. Praise God. <laughs> I remember when I went to when we went to Ghana with, with the team, went on missions to Ghana. We spent 14 hours on the road, right? Am I right? Yeah. 14 hours on the road. We arrived Ghana like dead men. And I told the guys, I did it because of them. I could fly myself, but all the guys I was taking, of course, I just told them I won't follow you in this. I paid my dues. You know what? I reached out to a couple of my partners. I said, Hey, listen, guys, you guys need to just be of a blessing to us. We need to fly. And some of our partners gave, I added some funds to it, and we bought a ticket for everyone. And see how they were smiling when we all flew back. <laughs> that was the picture they shared on their status. Just landed. They didn't share the time we were passing. I mean, there's no, we cannot suffer for the gospel again if the resources is in your hand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We arrived Ghana beating. Glory to God. But thank God for partners. Amen. Verse 2, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chooser, Herod's steward. In fact, when you read some translation, they said Herod's economic advisor. So the wife of Herod's economic advisor was a partner to Jesus. And many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. How was Jesus able to travel preaching the kingdom? He had partners. This was how Jesus' ministry was funded. That's why he did not receive offerings. This was the money Judas was keeping. And stealing from. And you know, if you employ a thief as an accountant and you don't change him, it means that Judas could not outsteal what was coming in. Let's read the message translation. Jesus walked by partnership. Huh? Jesus walked by partnership. Quickly, message translation. No, no, no. Um, verse 3. Verse 3. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's manager, and Susanna, along with many others, who used their considerable means to provide for the company. Amplified. This was how Jesus was funded. Hmm? And, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who ministered to and provided for him, and them out of their property and personal belongings. This was how Jesus was found, funded. Listen, child of God, the funding of Jesus was not a mystery. It's because he had partners. And I want to encourage you today. We are doing a tremendous work in the nations. Training pastors. Training pastors. Going to churches. Preaching. Helping believers to come to the faith in God's word. I want to encourage you today to get into partnership with what God is doing in and through us in the nations of the earth. You could do that monthly, you could do that quarterly, you could do that once in a year, but set your heart. We've got a teenage ministry, an active teenage ministry going on. It's a couple of things, a couple of things in the local church. I just want to encourage you, pray about what the Lord will have you do and the ministries the Lord will have you support. And make up your mind that you're going to be a partner. It does, you know, one time someone met me and said, I want to partner you know, with, with apostolic missions in the nation. He says, but what I just have is 2,000 air. I, I think it's too small. So I told, I told the person, I said, you know what? If we have 100,000 and you don't give your money, how much do we have? 
He said, 100,000. I said, if you give, what will you have? He said, 102,000. I said, which one is more? He said, 102,000. Well, that could pay for the bank charges. There is no amount too small that the Lord lays in your heart. But we need to get into partnership. And you have to do this by faith. That when I partner, I become a partaker of grace. And I can tell you something. I could not do what I'm doing in the nations of the earth today if the grace of God is not on my life. It's no way. There's no natural history to it. There's no connection to it. Except it's the grace of God. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. Thank you for opening our eyes to the concept of partnership. And Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would help us to get into partnership, to be consistent in our partnership and spreading the gospel of God. Ministries that you're laying in our hearts, missionaries that you're laying in our hearts, we thank you for them, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Can you say good amen? Amen. All right. Um, just some quick... Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.